Amen. Amen. How you feeling? You can stay standing for a second. Make you stand. It's good for you. Anybody have a good day? Got a little rain. It wasn't a thousand degrees out. Praise Jesus. Hey, give someone a hug, the person next to you. Maybe you haven't been a hug today. Maybe you've been told that you're special. Maybe you've been hugged too much. <laughs> uh, hey, I, I'm, I, I'm really excited to, to be with you guys tonight. Um, I don't necessarily really know what, what I feel. I was, I was sitting down here um, just kind of trying to vibe out like what, what the feeling, what the mood is in here tonight. And I just feel like um, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people over the past week of people who are just like in it, man. Um, and and I, I hope that tonight that you could just like maybe experience like the sweet embrace of Jesus Christ um, because it, the, the world is not a sweet embrace. <laughs> uh, it's the opposite. And so I hope that tonight you could have an hour of just like refreshment, uh, an hour of just saying like, God, like whatever happened in my life today, I'm, I'm gonna for a moment, like put it down. I'm gonna step into like something new and trust that, that maybe just maybe if I open up my heart that you'll speak to me and challenge me and do something new and fresh in my heart. Cause we, his mercies are new every morning but also his mercies are new every hour, every minute, if you choose to. So right now, as you step in these doors, his mercies are new. So no matter what happened in your life today, uh, you walked in here and his mercies are new today. Um, so I'm gonna read out of a passage. Stay standing for a minute. It's good for you. Um, we're, we're in a series this summer. Um, we just called it Summer at YA, but our whole goal this summer is just talk about the qualities of Jesus Christ. If you've ever wondered, what's God like? I don't understand God. Well, we look at the stories of Jesus Christ and his interactions with people, and it says a lot about the character of God and what he says about you. Um, and last week, we talked about Jesus is the key to forgiveness. If you missed last week, uh, go back. Lauren Bond preached. It was amazing. It was powerful. Uh, but I'm going to be preaching out of John chapter 8. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. John chapter 8, verse 2. This is the only gospel where you find this story. It says this. At dawn he appeared again, Jesus, in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Tonight, the title of the message is, Jesus is grace and truth. Jesus is both grace and truth, truth and grace, not either or, truth and grace, grace 
and truth. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for tonight, God. Um, Lord, I just believe that you have something special, something uh, new, Lord. I believe that people came in here not really expecting anything. Um, and I just believe, Lord, that you uh, want to move in such a powerful, uh, divine way, Lord. I pray that you would meet us right where we're at. Um, Lord, we love you. We trust you. Ask all your name. Everybody said amen. amen. You can take a seat now. Take a seat. Y'all feel good? I got my referee shirt on. Um, question for you. Has someone ever defended you when you did not deserve to be defended, right? Anybody, like, they defended you. You just absolutely didn't deserve to be defended. Okay, one of you, thanks, bro. I appreciate that. I remember uh, in elementary school, I lived in Springfield, Missouri, and I went to Truman Elementary School. Spring Anybody from Springfield? What? Meet me afterwards, bro. Come on. There's not a lot of us. Uh, and I went to Truman Elementary, and I was in third grade, and, and my brother was in fifth grade. And you know after um, the school, the, the, the bell rings, then you get all your stuff, and then you go out to the, the rich kids, their parents pick them up, and then the kids who are middle class wait for the, uh, the bus to pick them up, right? Uh, and, and so we, we're waiting for the bus, me and my brother, and we're standing in line, and my, my brother is in fifth grade, and my brother's the middle child. Anybody the middle child? Yes, okay. So y'all are rotten, okay? I don't know what it is about you guys, but y'all carve your own path because the first person went, and then you're like, forget that. I'm going to do life how I want to do it, right? Uh, and so that was kind of my brother. My brother was always out of line, literally and figuratively. And all through high school and pretty much through college, now he's a pastor. He's amazing, but there for a minute, dear Lord. Uh, and so we were waiting for the bus, and, and I'm standing in line, and my brother's like a few people in front of me, and my brother just keeps getting out of line. Like, getting out of line, he's just messing around, poking people, pushing people. He's just doing his thing, right? Anthony, he's out of line. And this big giant, uh, he's probably like six foot five, probably about 380, 400 pounds. Uh, he's our art teacher named Mr. Miller. And Mr. Miller keeps saying, Anthony, get back in line. And Anthony would get back in line for two minutes, and he would wander his way and do his thing, you know, right? And then, Anthony, get back in line. And then he'd get back in line. But then at one point, my brother started, like, turning around and mouthing off to Mr. Miller, this giant of a man. And he kept on mouthing off, and he wasn't listening. And finally, Mr. Miller goes to my brother, and he grabs my brother by the arm, and he shoves my brother back into line. And I'm watching this whole thing unfold as a third grader. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And it, it really embarrassed my brother. And my brother got really upset. And so the whole ride home, my brother like isn't saying anything. He's really upset because he, he was embarrassed by Mr. Miller. So we get home and my mom was like, how was you guys today? And my brother doesn't say anything. And my mom says, Anthony, did something happen? He's like, no. Anthony, did something happen? No. Anthony, I'm not gonna ask you again. I'm like, I'll tell you. So I was like, look, mom, Anthony wasn't listening. Anthony kept getting out of line. He was disrespecting Mr. Miller. So Mr. Miller grabbed him by the arm and shoved him back in the line. And my mom said, boys, get in the car. Oh, dear Lord, look, my, my mom is this five-foot Italian firecracker, okay? <laughs> and you do not mess with her kin, okay? You do not mess with her own. She says, get in the car. I'm like, dear Lord, this is going to happen again. My momster is about to show up to, to school again. And so we, we go to school, and she's like, show me where Mr. Miller's office is. And so we go, and, and my mom, doom, 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 doom. and this giant of a man comes in. He's like, can I help you? 
She said, are you Mr. Miller? She says, yes, I'm Mr. Miller. She says, did you put your hands on my son and shove him back into that line? He was like, well, Miss Matrone, I mean, your, your, your son was misbehaving. He wasn't, he wasn't doing what I told him. He was disrespecting me. He didn't do what was told. And my mom, this five-foot Italian woman to this giant six-foot-five, 400-pound man, says, if you ever lay hands on my son again, I promise you, you will never see the light of day again. And she says, boys, get in the car. We're leaving. So we're going, my brother's all like chest is puffed out. He's like, what's up, Mr. Miller? See you tomorrow, homie. Touch me again, see what happens. Come on, dog. Stand in line all day, all day. All day. So we get in the car, and, and my brother's just like smitten. You know, he's a smitten kitten, and he was so happy because he, he got off the hook. And, and all of a sudden, my, my mom, you know how you're sitting in the back seat, and then you just see their eyes in the rear view? She's like, Anthony, you listen up. If you ever disrespect another teacher again, you will never see the light of day. <laughs> In one moment, my brother experienced this immense amount of grace. And then in the next moment, he experienced this immense amount of truth. Right? In one moment, my mom defended my brother. In the same breath, she discipled my brother. And in this moment, the thing is, is that my mom, her grace saved my brother. Like her, her grace saved my brother from, from experiencing like some, some more heartache or, or, or experiencing something like that maybe he didn't want to experience. And like her grace saved him, but then her truth led him. Her grace saved him, but then her truth led him to help him understand, look, Anthony, if you continue to do this, if you continue to do this again, you're going to find yourself in this exact same place again. So don't you dare go down that road or you're going to find yourself there again. Her grace saved him, but her truth led him, directed him to something. You see, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, grace and truth are coupled together. Okay, grace and truth are coupled together. Yes, they're a little bit different in nature and in, in, in the qualities of them and how they're approached. They're different in nature, uh, but they complement each other and both are needed to fulfill God's plan for your life. Do you hear me? That both grace and truth are needed to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. Jesus is not just grace or not just truth. He is both fully grace and fully truth. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of what? Grace and full of Truth, John 1, 17 says, for the law was given through Moses. Okay, in the Old Testament, uh, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and the law, and the Israelites had to abide by the law, and they were ruled under the law. And if they disobeyed the law, that they would have to have a, give a sacrifice. And so that's why in the New Testament, Jesus was sent to be the ultimate sacrifice. So for the law was given through Moses, but what? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Not just grace, not just truth, they're in a relationship. They're like peanut butter and jelly and Kim and Kanye, okay? Both needed, both important to fulfill the, the relationship. I'm an idiot, sorry. I put that in there, I was like, just act cool about it. It's like, you know, I'm not cool. <sighs> Trying to keep up, you know? 
I think sometimes, though, we feel like God has two faces, right? Like, like, like God has his grace face, and then God has his truth face. And it, it's like all of a sudden he has like this face of, of, of grace, and I'm infatuated with you, and I'm just so happy. I love you. And then all of a sudden, like the next breath, we, we, we can sometimes feel his, his face like turns, and now I'm infuriated with you, right? Do you ever feel that sometimes? Do you feel like, man, I came to church, and I just felt like I left, and God's just like infatuated with who I am. But now I've just been walking down the road for a while, and I've been kind of messing up. I feel like God is absolutely infuriated with me. And the reality is I think most of us, as Christians or new Christians or potential Christians oftentimes choose which face of God that we're going to most connect with, that we're going to identify with. If I were to pull 10 people up on stage, five of you would say, you know what, I really identify um, on the grace of God. And I believe that God is fully grace and I identify mostly with his grace. But then five of you might say, actually, I identify fully with God's truth and I feel like he's more full of truth and much less of grace. Hear me though. Whoa. Sorry, hey, no Kids Rock. We need Kids Rock volunteers. All right. Hear me. The, the, The way in which you view Jesus, hear me, this is important will determine how you engage with him and how you engage with the world around you. Do you hear me? The the way in which you view Jesus will will determine how you engage with the world around you and how you engage in relationship with Jesus. Um, Let me explain. If you believe that Jesus is only full of grace, you find yourself as someone where you, you believe that Jesus is only full of grace, here's what's gonna happen, is that you're gonna find yourself getting really frustrated with truth. If you feel like God is only full of grace, you're gonna find yourself getting really full of truth. And anytime that someone stands up on the stage and preaches a message that maybe kind of convicts you, that maybe calls you to something new, that calls you to walk away from certain sin or certain things in your life, you're gonna end up getting frustrated. You'll constantly find yourself always wanting to live a life how you wanna live it under your rules. And your life motto will be, Jesus loves me no matter what, so I can do whatever I want. Right? Like, Jesus loves me no matter what. So if Jesus loves me no matter what, then I can do whatever I want. And we kind of begin to live under our own rules. And the more that we view Jesus through only the lens of grace, the harder it will be for us to accept his truth. And that's where a lot of you might find yourself today. But on the other hand, if Jesus is only full of truth, here's what's going to happen with you. You're going to become a legalist. And the more legalistic you are, the more bitter you become. If you were at my message a couple weeks ago about Jesus is not fair, you'll feel like you constantly are in the 6 a.m. seat wishing that Jesus did more for you based off of what you think that you do for him. If, If you're someone who lives only fully based off of truth, your relationship with God will be working for approval instead of from approval, and you'll constantly feel the need to perform for God. And the more you live like this, the harder it will be for you to accept God's grace, and it will definitely be harder for you to give God's grace. Someone who can't give God's grace views God through the lens of truth because they can't receive it for themselves, so why would they give it to you? Jesus, it's a relationship. Grace and truth are a relationship. And if we miss this, and if we think of God as only grace or only truth, we misinterpret who Jesus really is. Therefore, we will miss out on what he is trying to do and how he's trying to engage with us in our lives. See, Jesus, his grace, it saves me, and his truth 
it leads me, it guides me, it directs me, it protects me. The story that I, I read earlier about this woman, I think it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I think it's such a, a powerful story, but I think that this story like beautifully, uh, wonderfully depicts who Jesus is and how grace and truth are in this partnership, this dancing partnership with one another. And the story is set, it's dawn. So about five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, you have Jesus who goes to the temple courts to preach. Oftentimes, Jesus would go to the temple courts and he would preach and he would love on people, he would talk with people, he would engage with people. But this particular morning, all of a sudden, they hear this commotion. And they hear this commotion, everybody stops listening to Jesus and everybody uh, directs their eyes to another place and all of a sudden, they see this, these men, these religious men, grabbing this woman, pulling her out of the house. This woman hardly has any clothes on and they grab this woman, they pull her out onto the street and they bring her in front of Jesus. This woman had been caught with a man who was not her husband. Now, we don't know if this woman was married or this man was married. All we know is this woman has been caught with a man who is not her husband, and there is nothing that she can do. Think about it. This woman is clearly in the wrong, right? Like, there's no denying that. I don't think that we're sitting in here. We're trying to, trying to decide if this woman was right or wrong. This woman is clearly in the wrong, but can you imagine the kind of humiliation the kind of shame, the embarrassment, the regret that this woman in this moment is experiencing. I picture it like a movie scene where there's all this commotion going on, there's all these people around, and then all of a sudden in a moment, things just stop and everybody turns their eyes to what's happening. Like the doors are open, the windows are open, people are buying stuff, they're talking, they're hanging out, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, eyes are directed towards this situation. This woman, she was from this town. It was a small town. She grew up in this place. People knew her. Her friend, her family, her frenemies, her enemies, all the people that she knew now know who this woman is and what she's done. Couldn't you for a moment maybe put yourself in this woman's shoes? I, I think it's so important when we read scriptures to, to pick a character within a story and, and put ourselves in their shoes. It'll help you connect more. So try doing that. But could we for a moment put ourselves in this woman's shoes for a moment? Like picture that, that you're in the middle of committing your darkest sin. We all have it. We've all struggled. Maybe you, you find yourself in this place tonight. But, but the sin that you know like deep down inside is like just wrong. But, and you feel a lot of shame about it. But it's something that you just, you're addicted to it. And you can't like move past it. And you always find yourself, no matter how it makes you feel, you always find yourself committing the same sin that maybe no one knows about. But you find yourself in your darkest hour, in your dark, darkest moment, committing the sin. And then all of a sudden people barge into your house. And they grab you. And they throw you out into the street for all your neighbors, your friends, your family, and you are exposed for all the things that you've done in the person that you've been hiding that you are. Look, this woman was wrong, absolutely. But does she deserve this? No. But look, at this moment, nothing can hide this woman's shame. From now on, she'll be known as the adulteress. From now on, when she goes to the market, women will whisper. From now on, when her name is mentioned, people will remember her 
not for the kind person that she is, but for what she's done. And so she's brought before Jesus. All these people, life just stops. And she's brought before Jesus, sitting there, barely able to clothe herself because she's probably naked, completely exposed. And the Pharisees say this. They say, look, Jesus, the law of Moses teaches that a woman like this should be stoned to death. What do you say? Jesus, the law of Moses says that a woman like this, a woman caught in the act of adultery, should be stoned to death. What do you say? What's your take on it? And the thing is, is that these Pharisees, they weren't wrong. Because if you read the book of Moses or or the law of Moses, you can go read it for yourself. It does state that a woman caught in adultery should be stoned to death. You see, if we're being honest, I think that we can relate with these Pharisees because the Pharisees were going by this motto that I think our world still goes by. And tell me if you've heard this motto before, that you get what you deserve. If, if, if you're a good person, you've done good things, you don't sin that much, like you love people, you serve, you read your Bible, you go to church, then your value is increased. And the more value you have, the more you have to attribute to this world and people should treat you accordingly. But if you're not that good of a person, you kind of find yourself struggling. You find yourself in sin patterns where your value is decreased and you should be treated accordingly. This woman was wrong, so she deserves to be shamed and put to death. But how many of y'all know something that these Pharisees did not know? That this is exactly why Jesus Christ came to this earth. That Jesus Christ came to this earth for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son who would be a ransom to pay the debt that we could not pay. That he could stand in the gap. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. That he didn't come to abolish laws and and abolish rules and abolish wrong or right, but he came to fulfill it. So no longer does God look at us for the things that we've done, but God looks at us through the eyes of Jesus for what he's done. So no longer does God look at us and say, you're going to get what you deserve. You're going to get what Jesus got for you, which is died on the cross and went to, to the cross for you, went to the grave so you could have new life if you put your hope in it. See, this is what it means. That Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. That Jesus got what you deserve. Jesus got what you deserve. But these Pharisees didn't know that. So Jesus was about to teach them a little lesson. I love when Jesus teaches a lesson. It's good. It says that Jesus bends down and he begins just to, to write in the sand. We don't know what he was writing. Maybe he was just doodling, drawing a picture of Big Bird. He's like, yo, check this out. That's good. That's good stuff. I think I'm going to make him a character one day. Call it Sesame Street. Maybe Cookie Monster. I don't know. So he bends down. He's just like doodling. And then. It says the Pharisees are like, okay, uh, they keep questioning them. Like, bro, I got, a, I got breakfast at Cracker Barrel at 9. I was hoping to throw a stone this morning. Jesus, uh, uh, I, got, I got things to do. So, so it says that they, they keep questioning them. And then Jesus, it says he stands up. And he gives some of the most... Famous words 
in my heart what I read, some of his most famous words. And he looks at them in the eye and he says, let any one of you without sin be the first to throw a stone. Go ahead and throw a stone. If you don't have sin in your life, if you're perfect, go ahead, grab the biggest stone that you have and huck her at, huck her at her, and I'll be happy. I'll celebrate you, okay? Any one of you without sin be the first to throw a stone. With this one line, Jesus put me, he put you, he put the woman, he put the Pharisees all on the same playing field. With this one sentence, he said, all of you are exactly the same. In Romans, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the truth of it. You want some truth tonight? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That I'm no better than you, and you're no better than me. I don't care how amazing you think that you are. You still have fallen short of the glory of God and are still in desperate need of a Savior. That's the truth of it. But the grace of it is John 10, 10. But I came, so if you put your faith in me, you can have life and life abundant. That, that I, if you put your faith in me, I can give you a hope and I can give you a future that I can give you a life better than you could ever dream of or imagine with this one line puts all of us on the same plane. If you maybe you needed to hear that today. Maybe you feel like you're that woman right now. Whatever sin, male, female, whatever sin you find yourself in. Could I just, could I just tell you that for all of sin, for all are in desperate need of a, of a savior, that, that we're all in the same playing field. And it says that he says this to them and they don't have a response. And so he bends down. He starts writing again. And again, we don't know what Jesus was writing. Maybe he was like, okay, y'all haven't read Matthew yet because it hasn't come out. Um, <laughs> but what I'm about to write in Matthew is how you judge, the measure that you use to judge will be the measure I use to judge you. So, um, so I'm, I'm going to put out, uh, let's, Jerry, all right. Uh, I know what you looked at last weekend. You want me to tell him what you looked at? No? Okay. Um, Danny, I know you go to church and you're a really good guy, but no one knows about that girl that you're with on the weekend. Uh, you want me to tell him about that? No? Okay. Um, Jerry, you snuck out last night and went skinny dipping or chunky dunking, depending on how big you are. I... Lord, I apologize. I don't know. I don't know if Jesus was that much of a savage, but... But it says that, <laughs> Chunky, that's a, you're going to use that one, and you're going to act like it's yours. But it says that Jesus, <laughs> my wife, she doesn't laugh at me that often, so I, I appreciate that. I'll take that. I'm the funny one of the marriage, though. I'm funny and funny. Sorry, you're, you're hot. Um, so, but it says that whatever Jesus wrote, and, and after he said that, like any of you who's with, without sin be the first to throw a stone, for whatever reason, all of a sudden these men, it says that 
one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, dropped their stones and walked away. The oldest to the youngest dropped their stones and walked away. And like, you got to picture this woman, like she's sitting here, it's in the hot sun, it's in the Middle East, and she's terrified, has no idea, she's, I mean, she's, she's on her deathbed, really, has no idea what's about to happen, and all of a sudden, she starts hearing like thud, 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 and the stones are dropping, and she hears this scuffle of feet. It says that she looks up, and the only people who are standing there are her and Jesus. Do you know why Jesus was the only one standing there? It's because Jesus was without sin. That Jesus was sent to this earth fully God and fully human, and he was tempted beyond measure. Don't, don't, don't ever think that Jesus was never tempted. Don't ever think that Jesus didn't have real emotion and face real hardships and circumstances. That Jesus faced a tougher life than any single one of us will ever experience combined, I promise you that. But it says that he was blameless and without sin. So the one person who could have grabbed a stone and threw it at this woman was Jesus. But it says that Jesus, it says he straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, she looks around, sees people walking away. It's just her and Jesus. And she says, no, sir. And then he said, neither do I condemn you. The perfect, blameless Jesus Christ, neither do I condemn you. Enter grace. Enter mercy. Enter love. The beautiful, scandalous grace of Jesus Christ. The undeserved, the unmerited, the countercultural, upside down grace of Jesus Christ. When every other person would look at you and say, Shame on you, Jesus said, No, shame on me, on the cross. And I took it, and I'm gonna take it. The scandalous grace of Jesus Christ is something different than you've ever experienced in your life. Look, if you've ever wondered what God thinks about you, maybe you walk in here today and you're like, I mean, I'm, I'm a jacked up human being, real talk. I'm messed up. I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm lost. I, I'm embarrassed with my life. I'm filled with shame. I, I got stuff has happened to me. Stuff has been done to me. And because those things have been done to me, I've been walking in addictions and all sorts of things. I've been chasing fulfillment with, with guys, girls, whatever, whatever it might be. And you sit in a place like this today. If you haven't, then you might at some point. If you've ever wondered what God thinks about you, the gospel of Jesus Christ has two words for you, and it's not Guilty. Two words for you. So some of y'all need to write that in your journal, write that on your windshield or in your mirror. Just say, not guilty. Today I wake up, his mercies are new, and I'm not guilty. 
I know that last night I did some dumb stuff and I screwed up, but I'm not guilty. I know that I'm hurting and I'm broken and, and, and I cut myself and all I think about is suicide, but not guilty. I know that I'm so anxious. I know that I've been cheating and lying. I've been doing so many things. Not guilty. The, the, the most fundamental level of Jesus Christ, if, if you go away with anything, the most fundamental thing about Jesus Christ is that he loves you and his grace covers you. He loves you and his grace covers you. And grace always precedes truth. Grace leads, truth follows. Now they are in a relationship, they're a dance partner, but grace leads and truth follows. So if you walk out of here knowing anything tonight, know that he loves you, not some perfect version of you. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Not, not when we had the potential of being great. The potential of doing life a little bit better. No, he doesn't love some perfect version of you. He loves you where you're at, broken, messed up, hurting, whatever it might be, perfect, failures, victories, successes, losses, sins, righteousness. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Ben, you can come on up. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where you, you're at right now, but man, just, could you just lean in for, for a moment? I, I, I do feel like there's gonna be some like real life change today. Here physically on this earth, heart change. Some people tonight, you're gonna cross over from death to life. You had no idea, but it's about to happen. What I just told you, that part of the story, that's the grace of the matter. But remember, Jesus is fully grace. And fully truth, here's the truth of the matter, is that yes, God loves you where you're at, but he loves you too much to let you stay where you're at, okay? You know, someone way smarter than me said that years ago, but he loves you where you're at, okay? The most fundamental, he loves you where you're at, but he real talk loves you way too much to let you stay where you're at. He will defend you he will comfort you, but he also will disciple you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comforts and convicts, comforts and guides. And this was this interaction with this woman in the same breath. He says, neither do I condemn you, grace, but in the same breath, the same sentence, he says, but from now on, go and sin no more. Look, daughter, I love you. Oh man, I love you. You don't really fully understand who I am yet, but man, do I love you. In just some time, I'm gonna go to the cross and prove my love for you. I love you, but there's more for you. Daughter, there's more for you. And I know what's happened in your life, and I know that you chase uh, men to try to find fulfillment and satisfaction in this life, but, but sweetie, I, I promise, I, I got more for you. I'm, I'm not mad at you for what's going on in your life, but, but I, I got more. I, I have a man for you one day. Don't settle. I, I, I know that, that you're so addicted 
to drugs or whatever it might be, alcohol, pornography, whatever it might be. And I love you so much. Like I, I, if you never change, I love you so much. I care for you so much. But listen, son, I got, I got more for you. I got more. I, I, I got a better life for you. This isn't the, the John 10, 10 abundant life that I, I, I went to the cross where I got more for you. I, I, I know that you're in that relationship, and, and, but, but, but it's, it's toxic. It's, it's, it's messing with your mind. It's, it's messing with you physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I know that you, you love that person. I know that you, you're getting to an age where you feel like you need to be married, and then you want to have kids and the whole deal. And, 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 and look, but can I just tell you that you're in the wrong relationship, and I love you so much. If you get married to him, it's totally fine. I still will love you. But listen, God, I got more for you. I got a different life for you. I got bigger dreams for you. I got a bigger hope and a bigger future for you. Listen, Jesus, his truth is not trying to condemn you. For there's no condemnation in Romans. For there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The truth isn't to condemn you. Truth is to redirect you, is to guide you, is to protect you. And some of you right now, you're, you're experiencing some serious discipline right now. Or not discipline, but you feel like you're being disciplined. You're experiencing some punishment or, or whatever it might be. You, you find yourself in a really tough spot. And it's all God is trying to do is trying to redirect your path because he loves you. Grace and truth are partnered together. I was thinking about it this week. Sorry. Singing about it this week. That this white rope right here represents truth, okay? And truth is like the, the never-ending just biblical principles. When, when, when you read the Gospels and when you read the Sermon on the Mount and you read the letters of Paul, like there are just some things in it where, where God is trying to say things and trying to set you up for some success. And, 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 and this is right here when, when God uses godly people to speak into your life and to challenge you and, and to push you out of certain sin patterns and, and into like a new way of life. This rope represents the truth of the Holy Spirit that yes, he's comforting you, but he's convicting you. When you're sitting there in your room and you're praying to God and you feel like there's just this truth bomb that is, that is poured on you. It's just like, this truth is this never-ending biblical truth. The Bible says, how does a young person stay on the path of purity? Living according to the word of God. Living according to the truth of God. So this is the never-ending path to living a life that's righteous, to living a life that's, that's pure, that's fulfilling, where the world will take notice. It's this never-ending. And then this rope, hold on. This rope represents grace. You see, here's the thing. Is that grace, when we experience Jesus' grace, its goal is to realign us with his heart. The truth of God is to realign us with his purpose. And so we can find ourselves in these seasons where we are far from truth, but we are experiencing still the grace of God. Listen here, you could go home tonight. You could go to the club after this. You could go meet somebody. You could get twisted, and you could go, and you could have sex with somebody. You can do all the things that you want, and God's love for you will still remain, that there is still grace attached to your life. 
But the reality of it is, is that God is constantly, the more we, we run away, the more we feel the tension of God trying to pull us back to his word. Does that make sense? And so you find yourself in this place where you're kind of living life the way that you want. And yes, does God's grace cover you 100%. You, you, you could go as far as you want. You could do all the things that you want. I'm going to, yep. You do all the things that you want. You can go really far. Right? You can run from God for years. And you know what? His grace is still a covering. But his truth is trying to lead you. And the further you are, the more tension you're going to feel. And the more tension you feel, the harder it's going to hurt. But his, his grace covers you. But his truth is trying to bring you back to lead you. To get you back in line. Not, 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 not because he, he, he wants you to work for his love, but because he knows you. He knows that when this is walking in line, when I'm walking with God's truth and I'm trusting in his grace and I'm thankful for his grace, but I'm walking in his truth, it just makes our journey a lot easier. And some of you find yourself in this place today where you are so far, so far. Man, you just feel this tension in your life. Every, every night when you go to bed, every morning that you wake up sitting in this room right now, you feel this insane tension. Can I tell you, the greater the tension, the greater the trajectory. And right now, like God, God is allowing some tension in your life because he's trying to bring you back and bring you back in line with his calling for your life, with his purpose for your life. He's not mad at you. He loves you. Go do whatever you want tonight. His grace still covers you. But Jesus is saying to you, but there's more. There's just more. Son, daughter, there's more for you. I know you're far. I know you feel some stuff right now. I know you're trying to do life on your own. I know she's sexy. I know that, uh, that that job is attractive. I know that those things are attractive. The world is sexy. It's, it's called temptation for a reason because it's tempting, okay? We're not idiots here. The world is tempting. Uh, the opposite sex is tempting. Drugs are tempting. Finances are tempting, right? All these things are tempting. He understands that. He loves you through it. But there's more for your life. There's more for your life. And can you trust that? Can you trust that there's more? Don't be mad at God because of the truth. But don't take advantage of God because of the grace. In Romans, so what? The more I sin, the more grace that I get, so should I just keep on sinning? No, by no means. Because you're going to find more tension in your life. Find your way back to God. He loves you. He cares for you. He sees you. He understands you. But he's trying to realign you with his heart, but also realign you with his purpose. Jesus, his grace saves me, but his truth, it leads me. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for tonight, God. I thank you for um, just what you're doing in this place, God. I I don't know, Lord, only these, only these young adults know what, what is it they need from you, so I don't, I don't need to, they already know. So Lord, I just pray that you just begin to speak and challenge and um, maybe comfort, maybe convict, maybe correct. Um, but God, I pray that they would first realize tonight that man, God just like stinking loves the heck out of me. Man, he loves the heck out of me. And if I didn't change any patterns in my life, he still loves me. 
man, what would it look like in my life to walk in line with his truth and not be offended by his truth, not be mad at his truth, but trust that his truth is because he loves me. His truth is because he wants to guide me. He wants to walk alongside me. With heads bowed and eyes closed here, uh, two questions. First question is this, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so talking about all this grace and truth stuff, maybe not, maybe it doesn't mean much to you. Um, and God doesn't, isn't asking for you to behave right now. You belong first, and then you believe, and then you can kind of start walking with God's truth. But right now, all he's trying to get you to do is just believe. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you're standing here tonight, you say, man, I want this God. I have, I have searched far and wide for fulfillment and satisfaction in this life, and I have found it nowhere, and I walked into this place feeling all broken and all messed up, and I feel something I have never felt in my life, and I want this Jesus that you're talking about. You're in here tonight, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you say, Andrew, tonight is the night of salvation. Tonight is the night I say yes to Jesus. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hand? Amen, amen. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus, hallelujah. You can put, put your hands down. If you raise your hand here, or maybe you didn't, but you wanna to respond to God, just talk to him in your own words. There's no perfect prayer that you have to pray. Um, just tell him, ask for forgiveness, and tell him that you wanna start walking in line with him. The second question is this. You have a relationship with God, but you have kind of misconstrued um, who he is and what he's trying to do in your life. And you find yourself missing the mark when it comes to understanding God's heart for your life. But you say tonight, Andrew, I fully understand tonight that God is full of grace and full of truth. And I want to learn how to walk in that. Would you, would you raise your hand if that's you in here so I can pray for you? Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. You can put your hands down. God, we thank you so much for... Uh, all that you are, God, we worship you. You are a powerful and mighty God who is deserving of our worship, not half-heartedly, but all of our worship. Lord, if you didn't do another thing for us in our lives, you still went to the cross and still deserving of our praise. And all the glory and all the honor goes to you. And everybody said, amen. Young adults, let's stand, let's worship.